live from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Welcome to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. And for uh, those of you who haven't heard, uh, there is an impeachment inquiry underway in Congress. Yep, I know. An impeachment inquiry is underway in Congress. Uh, Somehow, apparently, asking foreign governments, or I should say not just asking, but actually pressuring foreign governments uh, via phone call, to investigate political rivals is a presidential abuse of power. I know. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> but that, that, is, that is where we are right now. Um, and so the House actually taking their constitutional responsibility uh, seriously has opened an impeachment inquiry, and we wait with bated breath to see if the Senate will do the same. Uh, not open a constitutional inquiry, but actually take their constitutional responsibilities uh, and responsibilities seriously. So... Um, in, in addition to this phone call pressuring the president of Ukraine to investigate a political rival, according to an anonymous whistleblower and text messages from the State Department, um, President Trump also withheld military aid from Ukraine to coerce them into opening an investigation. And there was testimony just yesterday from a top diplomat that it wasn't the investigation so much he was concerned about, but just a public statement saying, hey, we're investigating these people. Publicity, right? Just just take down a political rival, that's all. So to break down exactly how we've gotten here and to talk about what's potentially still to come, we're joined today by two of the uh, foremost experts on this topic here from the Center for American Progress, uh, the Moscow Project, Max Bergman, co-founder and director of the Moscow Project. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Max. And James Lamond, managing director for the Moscow Project. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. So uh, we've, we've, we've been in this room together before, guys. We've talked about impeachment. Well, before we talked about sort of the Russia investigation, uh, this, is, this is sort of the next stage here, the next ground, and, and not directly related in some ways. Uh, but, Max, I know you've been on the show with us before. Can you give us a quick overview of the, of the mission and work that you all are doing here at the Moscow, Moscow Project? Yeah, so the Moscow Project was created uh, in February of 2017, Uh, to effectively get to the bottom of what happened in the 2016 election and Russian interference and to uh, examine, investigate, uh, uh, connect the dots, do sort of research and make sure that we were not ignoring what we thought was a major attack on our uh, democracy. And uh, so that work, you know, has continued and the attack on our democracy hasn't stopped. And part of what we are doing now is, you know, this is all, there's a clear through line between what happened in 2016, foreign interference in our democracy, and this very effort related to Ukraine, where basically what happened here was President Trump was trying to replay what happened in 2016. He was trying to get a foreign actor to interfere in our politics. In 2016, the Russians uh, hacked, stole emails, Uh, and then release them in a way that could help Donald Trump. And here we have uh, a a case where Donald Trump was trying to get a foreign country to gin up an investigation that could help him politically in 2020. And so uh, we're continuing sort of the work that we started back in February of 2017. 
Uh, and um, and so people should check out themoscowproject.org. We also have a podcast called The Asset to kind of explain everything that happened with the Russia investigation, and we are going to come out with a new season to talk about the Ukraine scandal and do the same sort of breakdown of this as we did uh, with the Russia investigation. Awesome, awesome. Uh, tell me, name the podcast one more time. The Asset. The Asset, thank you. Sorry, it really says something um, that it takes an entire season of a podcast to <laughs> figure out what is going on here. Like, there is so much content that it's like, how many episodes is each is the first season? The first season is 12. It was supposed to be 10. And then, uh, <laughs> You're like, it just keeps going. And then the Mueller report, we you know came out, and we had to sort of break it down more fully. Uh, this will not be 10 episodes, knock on uh, wood, um, but but we'll be kind of breaking down and providing the whole backstory of of this scandal. Um, and it, it part of the story is actually about the position that Ukraine was in and in 2016 and in 2017, where they're over a barrel, they're effectively fighting the Russians, and suddenly America elects a pro-Russian president in Donald Trump, and so Ukraine, its chief ally, is now has a pro-American bent, and it's being, you know, in the midst of a war, and so trying, Ukraine's been trying to sort of figure out how not to get pummeled by the Russians and how to make them make it so the Americans didn't undercut and betray or, or, or turn away from from Ukraine. So uh, it sort of will start with that background and then we'll sort of go and unpack the story of everything that we're sort of seeing play out right now. So so it's sort of a, a random aside here. I had lunch with Secretary Kerry on the day that the airliner was shot down over Ukraine. Um, really, and that lunch kept getting pushed back, and we weren't sure why, and got pushed back, and then got pushed back, and and then we later learned what had been happening in the news, uh, or I shouldn't say in the news. We later learned from the news what had been happening, but it was a fascinating day to see how the context of that and so much other things come full circle is just is just fascinating. And the the other sort of random thought here is, uh, someone was asking me earlier today why we don't see people on the streets every day. And I think part of the reason is because, Charlotte, as you said, it takes an entire season just to unravel one piece. What the heck is happening? Of yeah. what's happening, right? This this has been such a steady stream of unconscionable actions um, that it's hard to protest for three years straight. <laughs> yeah, it, I also think that there's a degree of this is what normalization feels like, right? We it now feels normal that there's a Trump scandal, and right. uh, and and we sort of get used to. Uh, oh, you know, there he goes again, just sort of, you know, uh, you know, abusing power, abusing the power of his office. Is this one worse than the previous one? Well, we didn't. And, and it's very easy, I think, to just to lose the sense of outrage. And that's the thing about outrage is it requires a trigger, it requires something shocking. And if you see shocking things all the time, you lose your ability to be outraged. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that two members of the legal team, two close associates of Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal attorney, just got arrested. Yeah. We, have, we haven't even talked about that. So, um, James, we have just uh, about two minutes or so, two and a half minutes here before we hit the break. Um, how has the discussion around impeachment changed since the founding of the Moscow Project? What, what's, what's sort of different today than it was a year ago or even six months ago? It's gone through a, a, a number of stages, right? So, so early on, it was 
it was something that was out there. Everyone kind of, there was a lot of outrage over Trump, you know, initially, but nobody really knew what was going to happen. There were all sorts of questions about what, what we didn't even know what we were looking for in many ways, right? Um, then over the course of, you know, the, the Mueller investigation, then there was the constant threat that Mueller was going to be fired and that that would trigger an, uh, a possible impeachment. You had, you know, the, the, you had the, the Sessions removal, which then actually did, some people did show up in the streets, like to actually protest, you know, you had progressives showing up to protest Jeff, Jeff Sessions, Sessions being fired. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the, like, the day after a, a national election, too. Right. So, I mean, this was like this, that, this, was, this happened right after the midterm elections, right? Mm-hmm. Trump waited until the midterm elections where it wouldn't hurt Republicans. So he then decided to remove Sessions, who he saw as an impediment to the, to the Mueller probe. Um, and so, so that kind of that, that's, that sparked a lot of activity and a lot, a lot of anger and everything. Kind of there was always it was always like close to a boiling point and then always simmer down. And so I think what we've seen with the uh, with the Ukraine scandal is that everything's happening at once. Everything's happening fast. It's not trickled out over a long two three year investigation where a lot of what was discovered in the Mueller report had been we, we knew right. We we knew from the New York Times, we knew from the Washington Post, we knew from Wall Street Journal and other reporters. Um, and it, it it all came out at once. It's all impactful and it's a simple story in many ways. It's a simple extortion of a allied country who's at war with our adversary. And the president was doing it. Why? Because it helped him personally. Yep. And I think, you know, abuse of power, right? Abuse of power, abuse of power. Uh, this time, asking a foreign entity to engage, except it's the president of the United States asking for it. It was bad enough when it was a candidate for president of the United States. But this time it was actually the president of the United States asking a foreign entity to engage. So we're talking here with uh, Max Bergman and James Lamond of the Moscow Project. We're talking all things impeachment, where are we now and what's coming next here on the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock, and we will be right back after a quick break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. And we're talking in studio with two guests um, who are experts on all things uh, impeachment, Moscow, President uh, Max Bergman, uh, co-founder and director of the Moscow Project, and James Lamond, uh, managing director of the Moscow Project. Thanks for coming back with us, guys. Thanks. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, Max, I want to I want to come straight to you here just to pick up on where we left off on the last conversation. What What's different here about this time with Ukraine? So... I think we need to sort of think about, you know, I, I've done a lot of thinking about the Russia investigation and like, why did that not trigger an impeachment process where we where we are now? I think one of the things that happened and James was hitting on this is that the amount, uh, you know, the amount of uh, a pressure that was sort of put on Mueller and pressure is maybe not the right word, but Mueller was seen as the savior. He was, every, you know everything, you know, Mueller's going to solve this, Mueller's going to do this. You know, there's a great NPR story of people sort of in hospice on their deathbed uh, fretting that they weren't going to read the Mueller report, able to see the Mueller report uh, when it came out. And when it came out, this was, let's be clear, one of the most damning things that has ever been written about a president of the United States. Uh, but what I think what what the country was looking for was a reaction. 
right? They weren't going to read a, a super long report. People have lives. Uh, and what they saw was Democrats arguing for, well, we need more information. We need to get this witness and that uh, document. And Trump had a very clear message, very clear nar narrative, no collusion, no obstruction, witch hunt. And Democrats' message about the aftermath of the Mueller report was there wasn't one. But what we have now is there is a clear message um, and Democrats moved. And I think there's this notion that the Russia investigation was too complicated, that no one could really understand it. And that is true to a degree, but it's also because the message that Democrats had was to protect the Mueller investigation. It was never, he did it. Oh my God, he did it. And it was a very clear scandal. It was the Russians had offered, uh, the Russians offered help to Donald Trump to help him win the election. And he'd said, I love it. Like that's <laughs> like, it. Like verbatim. Yeah. And then they worked together. And so like, there it is. That's your you know complicated scandal in a nutshell. And so what we have here is actually, I think, a more complicated scandal. It's the president leveraging foreign policy to extort a foreign leader to get him to investigate his political opponents. But what the major difference is that Democrats said enough. We're moving forward, and they have a clear message. He did it. He extorted a foreign power to get help politically. That is something we can't not tolerate. And so I think this is this context is all important because as this sort of spirals out of control and it brings in, you know, Rudy Giuliani and these guys Parnas and Fruman, and then this new, you know, the new oligarch of this season is is Dmitry Firtash, um, brings in all these different characters. It's, it can sort of now seem like a whirlwind. But I think all that does is build pressure. There's going to be more stories. More is going to come out. If you're a Republican member of Congress, you don't want to go on the record anywhere because you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what the next shoe, to, shoe is to drop. And that's exactly where we were in 2017. Just to close the loop, I actually think the appointment of Mueller was probably the worst thing that happened in terms of holding Trump accountable in the end because the scandal then played out with this vehicle of the Mueller invest investigation without members of Congress taking ownership over it. And now they're taking ownership over this over the scandal and it's moving in the process, uh, the impeachment process, which is the way you hold a president accountable. Yeah. And um, I want to I just want to like come back a little bit to how you're saying this is potentially like a slightly more complicated scandal. Like I still we, we can still sort of run through this in like basically three bullets of like what actually happened. Right. Uh, on a phone call in July, the president asked the president of Ukraine to investigate one of his own political rivals for his own benefit. Right. Check. <laughs> <laughs> and then in front of cameras, President Trump admitted to asking Ukraine for this investigation and then asked China to do the same thing. Check. Yeah. Right. And then the third thing that happened was uh, there was a whistleblower with text messages from the State Department that said President Trump withheld military aid from Ukraine to coerce them into operating um, to, into opening a specious investigation into a political rival. So, like, it's not I mean, <laughs> it, you're right that it's complicated, but like you can say this in like three main points like he like I mean, it's, and what we're saying is the same thing over and over again. This is just all the corroboration for uh, like this is what he did. He's like he's being a bully and he, like he's be, he's like putting the national security of this country at risk. Um, and he I don't know. Sorry. No, but I, th I think that's I think that's exactly right. And, that, and that's and that's and that's looking, looking at that through the, the lens of the Mueller investigation. It's, it's very it's 
it's, it's the exact opposite, right? There was no clear message mm-hmm. about what it is. Like, like there, there, I mean, the events were clear. We knew what was going on if you actually read the newspaper and actually read what was happening. But there was no clear story that elected officials were really telling that that laid out the the, the three bullet points in that way, right? Mm-hmm. You could you it, 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 you could lay it out very simply, like, uh, tr- uh you know. Trump is a, a, a corrupt person who behaved corruptly through his business practices. <laughs> he was then approached by Russia for to help them in the to help him in the election in uh, in, in in 2016. He had he had years of, of relationship and experience with Russia, and those all combined together to come together in a, a, a in a historic level of collusion that that affected the 2016 election and, and helped them win. So, like you could actually build that out in a way that that would be helpful if there was an actual kind of concerted effort to do so. Yeah, and I think I think the extortion here is pretty critical and that it sort of adds a new flavor because you know the 400 million dollars in security assistance and when I was in the state department this was actually Ukraine security assistance was something I worked on pretty heavily. Um, and I mean what this is doing is taking US taxpayer dollars, basically the taxes that we all pay in this in this room that people that our listeners pay, um, it's taking that money and using it as leverage uh, to get someone to do something for Trump that would benefit himself personally. I mean, that is, it's literally like, that is why corrupt politicians go down all the time, a misuse of taxpayer funds. Why do they misuse taxpayer funds? Because they like want a, a private jet, go on a private jet, or they funnel it off to another, an offshore bank account for their own personal gain. And that's exactly what we have here. Yeah. So, so where are we now? Sort of thinking through um, the impeachment inquiry has been opened. We know there's a series of uh, closed door sessions that are happening, closed door hearings that are happening. Um, in the next sort of like 45 seconds, and we can come back to this when we when we return from break. What what do you see as the immediate next steps here? I think this is the discovery phase where they are taking depositions behind closed doors, making sure they're getting everyone on the record, and people can't coordinate their stories. And then it's going to be a public phase. Then they're going to have hearings, and basically they know what people are going to say, and they're going to hold these hearings, and it's going to play out in front of the cameras. And that's going to be phase two, and that should happen, I think, probably in the the coming weeks before Thanksgiving. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully that's the phase then where the uh, senators on the on the other side start to see this and say we've we've got to act too. Yeah. So we'll be right back after this. This is the Generation Progress Takeover, the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host Brent J. Cohen, and I'm Charlotte Hancock. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life, real talk. Co-host Charlotte Hancock and I'm Brent A. Cohen. Um, and we have here in the studio uh, the co-founder and the managing director of the Moscow Project. We have Max Bergman. Max, thanks for being in the studio with us. 
great to be here. Um, and we also have James Lamond. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, and today we are talking all things um, impeachment, all things uh, impeachable that Donald <laughs> Trump has done um, over the tenure of his uh, his presidency. Um and where, why we're sort of in a different place now um, than we were uh, with this um, impeachment query, inquiry um, than we'd been um, just even a couple months ago. Um, so what does it mean, do you think, um, that the House has officially opened this impeachment inquiry? Like, what do you think this, like, where are we here? Oh, I, I think it's hugely significant. And I think it's partly significant because... You know, Democrats have actually avoided talking about Donald Trump. You know, the 2018 election, there was a concerted messaging effort to sort of speak past him, to talk about the issues and, and what, you know, Democrats were going to do for the country. And that was really effective, but there's never been this sort of, you know, moment of decision for Republicans. People have been able to, uh, people like Joni Ernst have been able to sort of talk out of both sides of their mouths and sort of say, well, I don't contone Trump's behavior, but I support what he's doing. Cool, and, cool, cool. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and now you can't do that, that this is either you believe in the oath of office that people take, you believe in the Constitution, or you're with Trump, or you don't. And so here, you know, this sort of, there's a real dichotomy, and that is kind of a lose-lose situation for people like Joni Ernst, because she can either appease the base or be, uh, or be fully um, uh, in Trump camp. And so... I think what impeachment does is force Republicans to reckon with the lawlessness. And that is something they weren't, it didn't have to do. And I think Democrats have moved forward and picked an issue that is clear and it's making them squirm in the Republicans in the Senate, Republic, many of the Republicans in the House. Um, and so we'll see how it plays out. But I think, you know, this was this is the moment the country needed to have. We needed to have a reckoning, a confrontation where are you cool with this? Yes or no. And now we're, we're finally having that. Yeah. And it, I mean, it seems like, uh, as you're saying, some of the some of the dams are breaking. Like people are um, we're learning more and more um, about stuff uh, as the days passed. Just yesterday, um, Ambassador Bill Taylor provided testimony on what he knew and was aware of as these events were unfolding. Um, James, what did you make of his testimony? It was it was kind of a bombshell. Um, it, so let's, first of all, let's, let's remember who Bill Taylor is. Right, he is a kind of he is a, a career uh, a national security foreign policy professional. Served uh, for decades under both Democrats and and Republicans, and and, and he's he's actually not a career uh, foreign service officer. He's but so that that is a very very rare position for somebody to be appointed to those positions under Democrats and Republicans in that way. That, that he, he's a he is a very well respected, very well understood uh, uh, person, and and that is. I think that's like he's very kind of you know mild mannered person, and so it's, for him to come forward and do this this testimony, I think is really significant, and it confirmed everything. Right? It confirmed what we had known for a while, but with much more clarity and much more detail. Uh, it confirmed that there was a quid pro quo that Trump was pushing. Right? It confirmed that that what Trump wanted was a it was was he was going to he was holding up military assistance and a White House meeting in exchange for. Uh, the President Zelensky to publicly announce that there was an investigation into Trump's of, of political opponents. It confirmed that Trump was the one who directed this scheme. It confirmed that there was an operation to 
to cover this up. They confirmed that there was a uh, uh, an, an effort to uh, that there's like there was no policy rationale. The entire government was against this, except for this 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 small cabal of of of, of people pushing for it uh, from the White House. So it it really is just it, it, it his testimony was really it was clear. It was it was uh, um, and it was damning. So we have this damning testimony just yesterday, which is the latest and perhaps most specific in some ways corroboration of what we or confirmation of what we already know, right? Uh, presidential abuse of power to convince a foreign entity, the president of Ukraine, to engage in the uh, by investigating a political rival for his own benefit. The fact that it was um, spearheaded by and at the request of Donald Trump himself, uh, and then a a cover up of those efforts. Uh, uh, sort of, I guess, presumably recognizing that it was wrong, or people around him recognizing that what, what he had done was wrong and illegal, and trying to cover that up. Why not just move forward now? Um, it seems like every time something happens, there's another thread to pull at. Um, what is is that a good thing, or or should this just move forward because there's enough damning evidence out there, uh, it, in his own words, in his own confirmation, that we can just move forward today. Yeah, what other evidence or testimony like do we need um, in order for an inquiry to move past yeah. where it is? So I don't think we necessarily need anything <laughs> more. Um, I think in terms of how this process should play out, though, I think, you know, I, I've been very critical of Democrats in the past. On this, I, I think they're doing this exactly right. They're right now doing the depositions. They're getting everyone on the record and then uh then i believe the plan is that they're going to start having public hearings where the people who've just been deposed so we'll get to hear from ambassador taylor and you know so i think someone speculated that maybe ambassador taylor is what we all hoped Mueller would be right this guy this career official that comes forward served both administrations and then his testimony in front of the public will be very explosive so i think there is you know, we see the polls moving on impeachment. We see the country sort of getting their heads around it. So I think, you know, before you impeach and potentially remove a president, I think there does have to be this public education process. So right now they're in the fact-finding stage, I think moving to the public education uh, element and making the case. Um, so, so I think they have enough, you know, if, like, they didn't call any more witnesses and just move to the public hearings, I'm cool with that. But I think... I think it's also important that Congress not stop doing what Congress is supposed to do, which is oversight of the executive branch. Uh, and so there are threads to pull, and I think they should pull them. I think every bad, damning story about Donald Trump um, adds to the argument for imp impeachment and, and makes it harder for Republicans as well. I would just add, uh, so I, I, I mean, I think there's a strong thirst for some public testimony, for some for a public event, and I mean, we, I think everybody has it, right? And uh, but there is a process that does kind of need to play out. And if you think about it in terms of a trial, right? If you if you if think of this as as Max said earlier, this is the discovery stage, right? And there's a reason for that stage, right? When you ask a question in the public in court, you want to know an answer if you were if you were prosecuting a case, right? This is there is a there is this is a this is a public education, but you also need to understand the the events that unfolded before you actually present that to the public. And so I think do, doing your due diligence, under, doing your full research, and going through the motions of the process and understanding it is is helpful in presenting that case publicly. So thinking about this and in, in in sort of along the lines of a case, I've heard this described this this part of this described as a uh, the grand jury testimony, right? During grand jury testimony, that's when the court decides whether or not to move forward with an actual indictment 
Um, and then if they move forward with an indictment, that's where you have an actual court case with the jury. That's where you get to see who's the accuser. You get to cross-examine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, so much of the of the talking points for Donald Trump are, one, I admit that I did all of these bad things. And then two, uh, I should be able to see my accuser and this is wrong. And this is this has never happened to someone before. And due process, due process, due process. And I just want to point out the uh, incredible uh, hypocrisy considering this man in 1989 called for the execution of the Central Park Five and then as the exonerated five once again said well they must have done something what were they doing in the park so clearly you don't give a damn about due process um, and yet here he is so from a so from a process standpoint for a second um, is like this is going largely by the book it's totally going by the book. And there isn't, you know, Republicans are making, trying to make all these weird process arguments about, well, there needs to be a formal vote to begin an impeachment inquiry. And like, no, it doesn't. There's no, that's not, the Constitution isn't like there has to be a formal vote to start an inquiry into impeachment. And that's not, you know, that may have been what they did during Watergate, but there was nothing in the House rules about how that should proceed. They're just trying to, you know, as Mitch McConnell said, when you talk about process, you are losing. You know, when you, when you talk about the referees, you're probably losing the game. Uh, and I, the process is working out as it should be. And what we're building to is a trial. And, you know, there's going to be, I mean, he at this rate is going to be impeached by the House. Then we will move to a Senate trial. And I think one of the significant things about Mitt Romney actually coming out and being very critical of the president and, and expressing concern is that puts McConnell in a vice. It also puts other moderate, quote unquote, moderate Republicans in a vice as well. Here's another Republican, the, the guy who actually ran for president as leader of the Republican Party in 2012, uh, uh, critiquing Trump and demanding essentially there be a real process, a real trial. So if you're McConnell and you sort of try to short circuit everything and, and not have a real trial, suddenly you could be attacked within the party, within mm -hmm. the Republican Party. So that's one of the things that we're starting to see. It's not just Democrats now. And that's pretty critical. And, and you know, we weren't having reporters sort of go around and badger Republicans about the Russia investigation because really they needed to badger Democrats first to see what Democrats were going to do. But Democrats are all there. So now you badger, you know, now they track right. Republicans. On to the next. Yeah, on to yeah. the next. So that process is playing out. The trial, I think, is, you know, it's I, my I think right now it looks like we're going to have a real uh, a real process here. So speaking of process, how long do you guys think uh, we're looking at? I mean, I know you can't, you don't know the future, you don't have a crystal ball, but like as we're thinking about what this sort of, how this might play out? My best guess is um, that I think it plays out between now and the end of the year in the House. And then first thing in, is the first order of business coming back in January in the Senate. Yeah, I think there was thought in the House that they would try to, you know, get this, wrap this up quickly. He, you know, the president said he did it. What, what, what more do we need? You know, we have it. And I think, I think where this is going, I think will probably take longer than that. Um, and we'll go into December. We have to remember the trial of Bill Clinton lasted five, I think it was five or six weeks. But here, here's another difference too, is that the, the Clinton uh, impeachment and the Nixon uh, impeachment, like the, the two modern examples those were both based on an extensive criminal investigation by the Department of Justice, right? So those those were based on the, the, the reports that were done, the Star Report and and the the, the Special Counsel Jaworski report. Well, those were done for for years leading up to it, and the, that was essentially the evidence that was used in the in the in the prosecution. But but still, five weeks on Bill Clinton's impeachment trial. You know, so if if that was five weeks, 
Um, and I, so I, I think what we're looking at is that this, I agree, I think this will probably stretch into next year, but you never know. And I think things could actually move very quickly uh, in terms of, you know, the evidence that comes out, maybe Democrats move more more quickly, maybe McConnell slows it down. I think we don't really know, but I think there's an intent on both sides of being very deliberate uh, in moving this forward. And I actually think that's beneficial to the whole process. So when we come back, I want to, you touched on polling a little bit earlier and the how important this is to get into public hearings and uh, public support for this, especially as we shift over to the Senate focus. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, what we're learning, where we are historically in terms of polling support for impeachment. Uh, come back uh, and we'll talk a bit more with our guests in-house, Max Bergman and James Lamond on the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome back here to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. And we're in studio today with Max Bergman and James Lamond of the Moscow Project. Thanks for coming back with us, guys. Thank you. So uh, I want to sort of, we, we, we foreshadowed a little bit in the last segment here, but want to talk a little bit about public support for impeachment right now and sort of this historic moment that we're at in terms of how high the numbers are compared to where we've been in the past. Um, so, uh, Max, I don't know if you could if you could touch on a little bit about what the latest polling is saying right now uh, in regards to how many how many people how many Americans are in support of of impeachment or impeachment removal. So, poll after poll is now showing that a majority of the country supports the impeachment inquiry, and the numbers for actual removal are going up and basically hover around fifty percent. There was a new Quinnipiac poll this morning that put the number at fifty five percent in favor of the impeachment inquiry. And to just sort of put that in context, you know, during Richard Nixon, like when he actually, you know, a week before he resigned, the the support for impeachment and removal wasn't above 50 percent in it. And, and so where we are is sort of ahead of where we are with Nixon. Now, Nixon's uh, approval ratings had fallen really low. They were like below 30 percent, partly because we had sort of a less partisan time. There was more crossover votes. So more people were willing to abandon Nixon who had voted for him. Uh, but the support for impeachment is basically where, above where we were during Watergate levels. And I think one of the things that has sort of been lost with the impeachment political conversation, it was, it was, it was always talked about the downside, the downside for Democrats. Oh, this could blow back on you. But it was never talked about the upside. And if you remember, you know, 1974, Democrats won two-thirds of the seats in the House of Representatives. And the only Democratic president between the years of 1968 and 1992 was Jimmy Carter. And it was largely on the back of impeachment. So the political upside here, I think, is, is quite high because what happens is that Nixon, by resigning in 74 affirmed everything that everyone had said about him, right? He affirmed the impeachment and affirmed that Democrats were right to pursue impeachment and the Republican Party was punished for it. And I think as this plays out, I think the Republican Party could really be punished for protecting a guy who clearly broke the law uh, and abused abused the powers of his office. Yeah, I, I imagine at some point Republican senators in particular as this is aired publicly and as public support presumably continues to climb, it's already, as you said, at about 55 percent. 
It's 66% with young people, uh, 18 to 35, uh, 18 to 39, depending on the poll you're looking at. 66% uh, uh, support impeachment and removal. Um, at a certain point, Republican senators are going to have to make a personal decision, I would imagine, um, about whether they continue to defend someone who is so clearly in the wrong uh, at the potential risk of their own of their own career and their own reputation. Um, James, how do you see this? How do you see this playing out? Do you do you foresee the uh, the as we transition to this next phase of the of the impeachment inquiry and going to public hearings? this continuing to shift? So what I think is is most interesting is not just the numbers, but the trajectory, right? They've been heading, and the tracking polls have shown it, increasing steadily. So the, the Quinnipiac poll this, uh, that came out this morning is uh, uh, is 50%, up from 51% just, just a short time ago. Uh, and then, it, so that's an increase of four points among the population, right? Plus, independents are up, I think it's eight or nine points. So it's... It's inc- it, it, this has been steady after steadily uh, week after week uh, in the in this poll, and so if that's the case, if that's the, if you if you continue that trajectory as p- the public learns more and more, I mean we haven't even started the public hearings yet, as we discussed earlier. This is this is what this is what's shaping the public opinion when we're talking about uh, leaked testimonies that are 15 pages of a former ambassador. Right, the, this is not actually the the, the kind of presentation of the case to the public. It's not so. the TV show yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is, they're still writing the script. You know? <laughs> but And I think one interesting, in, in some of the internals of the polling, what you see is when people support impeachment, they've made up their mind. They've said, we, I've seen enough, and they're firmly in support of it. It's time. It's time. And then those that are against impeachment are like, yeah, there is a base. You know, Trump has 25 to 30 percent of the country that is just full MAGA and full with, with him no matter what. Like he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. They're not voting to impeach. As he once said. Yes. He and as his lawyer to. defended. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, court. But then there's another like, t- you know, the 10 percent of the country that are, you know, 25 percent of the Republican Party that are somewhat supportive of Trump that count in that are opposed to impeachment currently. And what you see is that when you ask Let's say it's proved that Donald Trump tried to extort a foreign power for his own personal gain. Is that concerning? And it's like 70 percent. So I think there's more room for the number to go up than it is for it to go down. I think as it goes up, that seems like the new floor. And so, you know, this this will get into really dangerous, scary territory for, I think, a lot of Republicans in the Senate. I'd also add that as as Trump continues to do things that uh, that annoy Republicans, like, for example, withdrawing from Syria without any plan in place, without any any, any kind of uh, thought to what was going to happen, that's actually, in some ways, that that hurts him in a, in a kind of indirect way because it just reduces their support for him, reduces their kind of blind support for him in a way that I think not any single uh, event is going to necessarily kind of uh, pierce the armor, but it will it will build up over time. So we've uh, we've got about a minute to break here. Um, you all have been listening to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. We've got Max Bergman and James Lamond from the Moscow Project here in studio with us. Um, if folks would like to find more information about your work, about the podcast that you mentioned earlier in the show, where can where can people do that? They can go to our website, themoscowproject.org, and they can follow us on Twitter, Moscow underscore project, and also check out The Asset at Asset Podcast, and you can find The Asset wherever you get your podcasts. You should rate it, review it, give it five stars. Uh, It's great.
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Um, Again, you've been listening to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. We will be back with you all next week, Wednesday. 